Welcome to the third episode of this podcast. In this episode, we cover the remainder of what the very first channeling of kingly wisdom's meaning expands into. If this is the first time you are listening or watching, I will advise that the best place to start listening would be episode one, as this podcast is constructed sequentially and will make much more sense to you if you have the proper introductory experience. With that said, let us begin. Welcome to the podcast, A King Awakened, where we, as men, discover our divine masculine through the disciplines of spiritual and personal development, transform to become the men of our dreams, and unify to co-create the world of our dreams. Join me in journaling our lives' greatest truths and witness the unfolding of life's magic. Okay, diving into section two of the expanded analysis of the first code of conduct and character. A king mustn't be naked for long, just long enough. This is what it says. The first rule of a king should be to enjoy life, to consume joy and create joy to share. John C. Maxwell shares a quote in his Maximum Impact Club membership audios about joy, and it goes something like this. We have no right to consume joy without producing it, just as we have no right to consume wealth without producing it. So, why the actual F with everything? Love and joy. That's why. Look at nature all around. It has even been scientifically proven that bees like to play. Okay, so we know that people love to play, especially the newer humans, and so do squirrels. And if you watch them long enough, you'll realize that for yourself. My theory at this point, if even the insects, like bees, are apt to engage in play, I think that all of life loves life and expresses that in a playful nature. All of it. Every bit of sacredness that exists. Butterflies too. Especially the butterflies. And what's more, the concept that love is the basis for everything is increasing in prevalence. Think about it. The mysteriously unexplainable energy that holds subatomic particles together. The cosmic glue that keeps things operating in the sense of order and synchronicity. What else would it be if not for love? The absolute desire to be connected to one another and benefit each other pervades through all of the molecules to affect us even on a macro level in a very profound way. The combination of our personal energies and relationships determine the effect that we have on the world around, similar to how molecules have varying chemical effects depending on their energy level and vibe that their constituent atoms hold. 
here's something you may not know. Even insects and slugs, and of course other mammals, they all have serotonin receptors. Now, psilocybin is a serotonin boosting compound that naturally occurs in nature and emerges from the ground in the lowest form of life, fungus, and the fruiting bodies that emerge from it. And from foraging these things firsthand, I know that slugs love these mushrooms. So, even the slugs are savoring the serotonin silliness from slurping on some psilocybin, receiving a boost of earth love, which is what psilocybin feels like. I describe it as purely parasympathetic. Depending on a person's dose, they feel a sense of immense love that washes over them, and they wonder how in the world the earth could ironically and poetically produce such a heavenly high from a subterranean entity that works in the same exact way that our own neurons do. What incredibly complex divine order of synchronicity that we operate within. The entire organism of this earth is intelligent indeed. Nature's entire vibe shows us not to take something so seriously and even gives us medicine to encourage us to open up and play and not be so chronically overwhelmed by stress. It shows us how to grow in cooperation with every form of life around us. It deserves our reverent respect and our fierce desire to protect it all from the ravages of unconscious commerce and the cacophony of coin collecting represented by the squawks, shrieks, and cause, clashing with the revving of chainsaws, emerging from the ancient forests that are farmed so mindlessly and with such nearsighted fervor. This is the heart of the divine masculine, to protect and make space for others to feel safe and secure. And the phallus of the mushroom was the medium that sensitized me to this wisdom. We embrace the environment and secure the dangerous variables so that the children can play and the women can open up to love and express all of their glorious feminine energy freely and without fear like a fragrant flower. Here's a quote that may strike you like it does me. When men act like boys, women then act like men, and children become irrelevant. We've seen all too much of this. Here's another saying. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. And hard times create strong men.
We are experiencing the hard times that weak men have created. Time to step up and protest our own misrepresentation by proving through our actions that we desire a cooperative, communicative, collaborative coexistence. Time to become anti-fragile so that all that is fragile can continue exuding the beauty it is designed to effervescently exude. Protecting all that is soft and sweet and worth living for. Do we not value the silky sensations of the soft seductress's skin and the sweet smiles and silly shenanigans of our strengthening sons and scholarly schoolgirls as they step into each successive season? Aside from all that serious talk, <laughs> this first kingly rule of nakedness has shown me that laughing is a universal language, just like music. It's quite incredible how our physiology is designed to create diaphragmatic spasms that we associate with smiling and silliness. It's odd, really, and magical. We are equipped with a mechanism that can transmute a tense situation into a silly one without ever having to even utter a singular structured syllable. This is ancient magic, and it's ingrained into our biology. Every single one of us across this glorious globe. Some people I hold as role models have a lock on this whole concept of laughter, like Ryan Reynolds, for example. I really look up to the guy for so many reasons, aside from his irreverent way which really showcases the humor and irony that I also do admittedly appreciate. I really appreciate his novel ways of thinking that create incredibly witty comebacks in his scripts, being a wordsmith myself. It's truly admirable how he maintains his unshakable energy with a humorous hint in all his hit roles. Last point I'd like to make about laughing and wordsmithing is that this first rule, a king mustn't be naked for long, just long enough, it has a word with a double contraction, mustn't, which I personally find hilarious. I think contractions are silly by nature because... They're just lazy ways of shortening already short words, in my opinion. And words with multiple contractions in them are doubly hilarious for the unnecessariness of it all, which is why it is perfectly suitable to be the first of my own codes of conduct and character. And whatever your first code of conduct and character is should be meaningful to you in as many or as few ways as gives you a sense of peace about it. All in all, make sure that as you take yourself seriously enough to discipline yourself into developing your values and living them out, that you also remember to revere the moments where silliness comes into play.
even if it means humbling your own ego and making fun of your own self for a good laugh. The next segment will cover the last point of this code of conduct and character, vulnerability. Hey there, real quick. I figured it was a good moment to take a small break and thank you for giving this episode a listen. We podcast hosts are more appreciative than you may realize of seemingly small acts of kindness, such as leaving a review. As small as it may be to you, it means volumes to us. I know it's kind of a pain to stop what you're doing to focus on screen time activity when you're predominantly using your ears and not your eyes, but you may realize it's not as big of a pain as you think. Thanks for making a moment. Let's keep going. Section 3. To drive it home, the third point is this. It's about vulnerability. It is important to be vulnerable at times, and a king knows when and for how long it is appropriate to be vulnerable on the same level of nakedness as a hatchling in its nest. Vulnerability has the function of winning the trust of those who have earned it, lest it be abused, leaving oneself naked and hurt. Since my last uprooting, when I decided to move to the West Coast nearly five years ago now, I decided to adopt a new way of being, to lead with vulnerability, and to publicly make available videos of my experiences in this new and vibrant world of the old growth forest and all my adventures of starting literally from scratch. I lived in my car for a period of nine months while fighting my pride to create the conditions to root and begin to thrive. In this process of relative homelessness and nomadic existence, I decided to allow the truth of my reality to be made available. I didn't hide the fact that I was living in my car. I was actually kind of proud of it. It was like the ultimate survival test for me while living in our collective existing societal format, especially while also having two animal companions that had their own needs during that time my beautiful dog, Knox Chomp, and my precious kitty, Nero Duster. Being vulnerable and honest with people was the only option that I had. Too much of my life was too unsettled for me to even begin hiding the truth and trying to cover the facts with lies to protect my ego. Those times were the introduction to living in my present beingness. And let me tell you, They were some of the most blissful days I've ever had. Leading with vulnerability is something that goes against our animalistic instincts to have our guard up and look as menacing as we can to keep the predators away. Because, yes, we too have also seen other men as a threat and have diminished our own power and our egotistical selfishness that produces the victor and victim roles. Now, leading with vulnerability doesn't necessarily mean looking like a loafy and aloof fool to be targeted and taken advantage of. What it does mean, however, is to be the first to show a willingness to trust the best in another person and to be amenable and cooperative. To be the first to give. To show belly instead of backbone to retract your claws, 
to reveal that you have nothing to hide and that you want nothing more than a peaceful encounter. When a man is unwilling to be vulnerable with a woman, he displays the exact opposite signals, that he does have something to hide and that he doesn't want to be trusting and open. The signature of a creep. Girls, being more sensitive to energies and intuitive spikes, will smell a man's ego from a mile away. And, if she's self-respecting and doesn't seek drama, will give any excuse to get away from the person with that selfish vibe as soon as she senses it. And rightfully so. Leading with vulnerability also means showing that you have nothing to prove, that you are truly self-confident, that you don't need to one-up anybody or seem as superior, but rather to recognize our equality, to see the divine essence in another, the same as yourself, to not allow the ego and the illusion and separateness from the rest of humanity to take hold and create a defensive position. Brene Brown writes about vulnerability in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, which will definitely open your eyes to a whole world of material that can help you help yourself through your traumas and the things that hold you back. Each page is pure gold, disguised as mere bleached tree pulp. In fact, All the books you'll hear me recommend are pure gold in disguise. Since becoming an avid reader, my emergency go pack has undergone a drastic change in its contents. Back to vulnerability. Being the first to take the stance of the unguarded and trusting stud is a move that isn't always the wisest. It takes a level of calibration to determine if it is safe enough to lead with this foot. If you are in the presence of a bunch of unconscious hooligans and sly scoundrels, being vulnerable just looks like you're serving yourself up as a steaming smorgasbord to a pack of ravenous wolves. If you do find yourself in such toxic company, though, it is my opinion that whatever comes to you is something that you're asking for. Otherwise, you'd find better company, even if it means just your own. Eckhart Tolle talks about the pain body, which is a part of us that seeks out pain and drama to feed some level of scoundrel in ourselves that hasn't resolved its trauma. It is the pain body that wants the company and attention of the type of character that draws trouble toward themselves. If you are going to lead with vulnerability, it's important that your company has earned such a privilege. Vulnerability is the gift you give to those who have earned your trust, and you must be willing to be the first to show belly if you expect that behavior in return. But go belly up with just anyone without weighing out their character, and you'll eventually get stabbed and called a sucker while you bleed out and let them rob you ridiculous. This was the breakdown of my personal first code of conduct and character. A king mustn't be naked for long, just long enough.
The reason we spent two whole episodes doing a deep dive into this code so diligently is to model the level of intentionality and depth that you too can discipline yourself with to develop your values, deepen your commitments, determine your purpose, dominate your psyche, and dictate your destiny. If you would like to adopt my values that I share here as your own, you are more than welcome to, so long as you decide what they mean to you in your own writing and expression. Nothing can substitute the development that you accomplish through the time that you spend with pen in hand while you let your heart pour onto the pages before you. In the next episode, we dip into the duality of the second code of conduct and character. I hope you gained something from listening to this episode of A King Awakened. Connect with your calling, contrive your conviction, and in the collective creation of consciousness, conjure your kingly crown.